Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Guys, that is your remedy to fear. It's to look at Jesus. It's to look at Jesus. Hear that call. The Holy Spirit's inside of you saying, hey, 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 look at him. Just look at him. The author and what? Finisher of your faith. Author meaning he started it. Finisher, he will complete it. Look to Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In today's message from Pastor James, he encourages you to put all of your trust in the Lord. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Whatever it is that's troubling you, give it to Him. When you cast all your cares on Him, He will help you. The Lord deeply cares for you. You're His child. Pastor James urges you to keep living a faithful life that is surrendered to the Lord. Keep taking each day hand in hand with the God who loves you. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. He's a conqueror. He's not going to let fear deter him from accomplishing the mission. But how soon awe and wonder turn to fear and panic. Because the longer they dwell on this, then that, that, that thing springs up within their hearts and in their minds, this thing called fear. The unknown, the what ifs. The what ifs. You can't camp out in the what ifs. You can't. You don't know. You don't know. But what if? But what if? But what if? You can what if until the day you die. And there's a good chance that none of that stuff that you were worrying about was ever going to happen to you. But as they're thinking, and they know they're headed up to Jerusalem, it says they were amazed. Period. New sentence. And as they followed, they were afraid. They were afraid. This term afraid in the Greek actually speaks of they're afraid of what may happen to them. They have this overwhelming concern of their physical well-being. They're afraid of suffering. They're afraid that some sort of physical harm is going to come upon them. That's literally what they are experiencing in this moment. So as they're thinking, and so maybe some of those seeds you know, have germinated within their, their heart and their mind concerning what Jesus told them was going to happen, as they're thinking of like, wait a minute, as we've been following this guy around for three years, the religious leaders, their hatred towards him has grown more and more and more. And they already know that they're looking to kill Jesus. And if we're connected to him, well, they're going to come after us too. So no longer are their eyes on Jesus, their eyes are now on themselves. And as they are approaching Jerusalem, they are overwhelmed with fear because now they're afraid, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us? And you can tell there's two different walks that are happening on this dirt road to Jerusalem. There's a walk of confidence, and then there's a walk of fear. Jesus, the one who's going to suffer all the things that he just told him he was going to suffer, is the one walking with confidence. The ones who are not going to experience any of this, 
not at this moment, are the ones walking in fear. Had they been given the option, they, they may have turned around and headed the other way. But this is how good Jesus is. Because you may, you may have experienced this. Maybe you're presently there right now and you're in this, this kind of, in the midst of a, an unknown thing where you're, you're kind of trapped in a, a fear storm, so to speak. And then the enemy likes to get into your head and say, uh, he'll, he'll bring up all 365 verses that speak about fear and how you're a sinner and how you, man, you, you, you can't possibly trust Jesus because if you did, you wouldn't be afraid, right? Have you ever had this uh, attack from the enemy, right? How, who were you? You obviously don't belong to him because if you did, you would trust him. You're like, ah, uh, maybe, um, I don't know. That's a good argument. Um, but I love how Jesus is for his disciples and how he is for you and I. In the midst of fear, when fear grips our hearts and our minds, and it just begins to choke out the life that's inside of us, whatever confidence we may have had, he knows how to stop and address the sheep. He never says, you know what? Get over it. You know what? Walk it off. Rub some dirt on it. Those are good. I had great coaches that, I mean, they live by those suggestions, right? Rub some dirt on it. It's broken. Rub some dirt on it. It's fine. Just keep going. Unfortunately, we hear a lot of that. And there's, there's some wisdom and there's some truth behind that, right? Part of my, my remedy for, for you and I is conquering fear is you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. You have to. Movement is life. Movement is life. And, and there are times on your journey with Jesus that he will stop and address the fear that has consumed you. And it's okay to take a break and take a pause and all that good stuff. But you have to keep going. You have to keep going. You can't, circum, you can't circumnavigate around the storms of life. We are meant to go through the storms of life. You have the greatest captain available. Jack Sparrow's got nothing on this guy, right? You like Jack Sparrow? I guess there's a trial going on or something. I don't know. Um, All I know is I like Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, But Jesus is like, he's the greatest. So if he's the one who's sailing this vessel of your life through this journey and the storms spring up, he knows how to navigate those things. Here he is, they're going up there, and they were afraid. Says the, the rest of that little verse there, it says, Then he, Jesus, took the twelve aside again, again. And you could circle that little word, again. Because there's going to be many times where he needs to pull you aside and reconfirm in your heart and your mind that you can trust him. That's good. There's a lot of comfort when you, look, when you just simply read through the Gospels and you take time to notice little terms. And all the little terms mean something. There's value to each and every word. So he pulled them aside again. So if you feel bad of like, oh man, Lord, I'm sorry you have to keep dealing with me concerning this thing, don't worry about it. He's got no problem with it. He will take you aside again and again and again. As often as you need it, he will meet you where you're at. He took them aside again. He began to tell them the things that would happen to him. How do you alleviate the fear? Jesus steps in and says, 
No, guys, let me tell you, this journey into Jerusalem, it's about me. It's not about you. It's not about you. They would not be exempt from suffering. We know that. You read the book of Acts. In fact, uh, one of the three main ones, James, he would die. He would be the first one to die. He'd be murdered for his faith. Peter, martyred. And if they're murdered for your faith, then you're a martyr. So Peter was martyred as well. Poor John. John had the worst of it all, right? Like, yeah, he got to live till 90, but he was dipped in boiling oil, right? They tried to kill this guy. They couldn't kill this guy. Because God wasn't done with him. Suffering would be experienced by all of these guys, but not on this day, not on this trip. And what they were so worried about, Jesus could alleviate that fear from them because he, he could just clearly remind them, this one's about me, guys. Let me tell you what's going to happen to me. You don't need to be afraid. So he pulls them aside, tells them again the things that would happen to him. And this is, we're back into that verse 33. Behold, behold, pay attention, look at me. You ever have a teacher say that? I need to start implementing that, I think. Uh, hey, look at me, look at me, all eyes appear, right? I, I've had uh, teachers and pastors do that before, and you're like, oh, I kind of flashbacks, right? Sometimes PS, you know, what is that, uh, post-traumatic syndrome, right? Like school for me, I'm like, oh, I'm back in school. Um, I had a hard time paying attention. Uh, anyways, look at me. Eyes on me. This is what he's doing to his disciples. Hey, guys, focus. Look at me. Look at me. Fear is consuming your, your heart right now. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus knows how to show up in your life, pull you to the side and say, hey, 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 look at me. Look at me. Let's take a deep breath. Just look at me. Let me speak into your life. Let me speak into your heart. Let me remind you of the price that I already paid. Look at me. Look at me. Constantly, Jesus is telling us that. Guys, that is your remedy to fear. It's to look at Jesus. It's to look at Jesus. Hear that call. The Holy Spirit's inside of you saying, hey, 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 look at him. Just look at him. The author and what? Finisher of your faith. Author meaning he started it. Finisher, he will complete it. Look to Jesus. He didn't just start something in you and then say, you know what? I think you got this. Uh, I'm going to step away. I'll see you when I see you. Um, good luck. You know, all that. that's not how he works. He's not a God who is distant. He is a God who is near. And he didn't just create everything and then take a step back and be like, oh, you guys figure it out. He's like, I created everything, and I made you, and I will be with you until the very end. Until the very end. That's a beautiful thing. That's what Christianity should, that's why it should be so appealing to everybody. Is because the one who formed us and fashioned us inside of our mother's womb says, look, if you want it, I'll hang out with you for the rest of your life. If you want it. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. This life is hard. This life is hard for everybody. For everybody. And don't let any of the, whatever what you see on TV and social media and all that stuff, life is difficult for everyone. Everyone. And I praise God that I accepted that free gift of salvation and said, man, I don't want to do this without you, Jesus. In fact, I can't do this without you. I've tried. 
And then the whole way, the whole way through this process, he's like constantly, look at me, look at me. Stop, stop freaking out, stop freaking out. Look at me, look at me. When you have somebody's attention, eye contact, it's hard for them to get distracted. Now, I, we get it. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody and you're staring at them in the eyes, but then your mind starts to wonder, right? That's happened before. And they tell you that you're, their name and you're like, oh man, what was that? It just happened like two seconds ago, right? This happens to me all the time, all the time. So if I call you by the wrong name, just roll with it. It's, co- it's cool. But this is why Jesus is constantly calling us back. Like, hey, hey, focus, focus, focus. Me, look at me, look at me. I am looking at you. Yeah, but you're not paying attention. Okay, come back, come back, come back. That's what he's doing with these 12. This is three years of walking with Jesus every single day, every single day. Over 900 days, they are walking intimately side by side with Jesus. They watched him multiply all the fish and the loaves, not once, but twice. They've seen him raise a little girl from the dead. They've seen him restore eyesight to to guys who are blind. And for those who are mute, he restored their speech. The lame are walking. He's done everything the Messiah was going to do. They've watched him do this. And on the road to Jerusalem, they are having a panic attack because they're worried about what might happen to them, but it's not going to happen to them. And Jesus shows up and he says, hey, eyes on me, eyes on me. He tells them, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, that's a title, a messianic title for himself, will be betrayed. Talking to Judas in the group, one of the 12, Son of Man will be betrayed. So maybe these thoughts are already circulating within Judas's mind and his heart. He hasn't done the deal yet, but he's a few days away from making the deal. He says, the Son of Man's going to be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, I'll be given over to the ones who are, who are hunting me down. Right? And you're thinking like, um, Jesus, it's probably aren't the right things to be saying to people who are afraid at the moment. No, here's the deal. You tell people the truth. You try to pacify them by, hearing, by telling them what they want to hear. You're not doing them any good. Right? I love that. Jesus is just direct. And he's like, let me tell you what's going to happen. But let me also remind you, this is going to happen to me to me. He's not, he's not going to like, you know, kind of pamper them or, you know, coddle them to a certain extent, be like, hey guys, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Right? Is it going to be okay? Yeah, it's totally going to be okay. But he doesn't like, he doesn't run around the truth. He goes right through it. They're going to betray me to the, the chief priests and the scribes. Goes on. They will condemn him, also meaning they're going to condemn me to death and deliver me to the Gentiles. It's amazing. Jesus is the one and the only one who can break down walls of division. It's fascinating that that happened at his death. Or two opposing forces, Jews and Gentiles. I mean, you don't get much more opposing than that back in the day. Jews hated the Gentiles. Gentiles hated the Jews. But they came together to eliminate a common enemy, a common threat. He says, they're going to give me over to the Gentiles. That, that alone would have shocked the disciples, just that one phrase. It says, and they, the Gentiles, will mock me. They will scourge me. Okay, that's that 
Roman whip thing that they have, the cat of nine tails, where we talked about that back in Easter. We'll talk about it again because the crucifixion story is coming up for us. He says, they're going to do these things to me. They're going to spit on me, and they will kill me. But the good news, but the good news. It's not like Jesus just left it with that. Of like, what are you guys worried about? It's all going to happen to me. They're going to kill me, right? And it's like, well, okay. But still, um, what do we do? <laughs> After you're dead, what do we do? Well, it, I'm, I praise God that the good news is, is included within this message. It should always be included with the message. And the third day, he or I will rise again. Telling them this for possibly the third time. Good chance this was the fifth time. Very descriptive. Letting his disciples know, you guys are being consumed with fear. What may happen to you, but I'm going to tell you right now, nothing's going to happen to you. Let me tell you what's going to happen to me. This is what they're going to do to me. And I'll give you all the detail you need. I'm going to be betrayed. Handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. They're going to condemn me to death. Handing me over to the Gentiles. The Gentiles will then mock me. They'll scourge me. They'll spit on me. And they will kill me. However, but I will rise again. So what are you worried about? Why worry? Suffering will come for them. And in fact, I love this. When you read, continue reading through the word, you see in the book of Acts, you see it in other places as well, sprinkled out throughout some of the pastoral epistles. But in Acts chapter 5, I believe it was, they were, man, they got arrested for talking about Jesus. And when they got released, they rejoiced because they suffered for his name. Like the, the shift was amazing. The, the difference the resurrection makes in our lives is absolutely incredible. That's transformative. That's where the power comes from. It's because the tomb is empty. Like he rose again. He conquered sin and death. Done. And then he showed back up to these same disciples who are all going to bail on him in a week's time. They're all going to run away. Peter is going to deny him three times. I'll never deny you. Okay, just wait, Peter. Just hold on, right? You're going to. They failed miserably, miserably. Yet the good shepherd, he knows how to pull you off on the side of the road to say, hey, focus on me. He also knows how to show up when you failed miserably and say, hey, we got work to do. We got work to do. I'm not done with you. He did that for Peter. Peter was done with Jesus. Peter went back fishing. Peter gave up. He quit. And Jesus showed up on the shore. Breakfast fish tacos, right? With Jesus is amazing. And he pulled Peter aside and he said, Peter, look at me. Look at me. We have work to do. You don't want to use me. I rejected you. I cursed you. Jesus says, we have work to do. We got sheep to feed. We have lambs to tend to. Peter, go feed my sheep. We got work to do. That was a different Peter after that moment with Jesus. Sometimes when Jesus pulls, you've ever been on a road trip with your parents and you're acting like a knucklehead and the threats are flying? Like, I'm going to pull this car over. I'm going to pull this car over. If you grew up in the 80s and the 90s, oh, they pulled the car over. Oh, they did. Yeah. And what happened after that, we don't talk about. But man, it was real, right? Not a lot of like, there was a lot of like, look at me, you know, but then there were some other things that happened beyond that that really kind of changed the car, the, the road trip after that, right? 
Jesus knows how to pull the car over and be like, hey, look at me. Look at me. We have work to do. We have work to do. He doesn't dismiss fear within our lives in the sense of there are commands against it. And there are commands against, you know, don't be anxious for anything. Don't let these things overtake your heart and your mind. There are commands against those things for sure. But Jesus knows how to recenter us, recalibrate us back onto him and say, hey, we have work to do. Look at me. Let's keep going. We just got to keep going. You have to keep moving. We have to go to Jerusalem. We can't go to around Jerusalem. We have to go to Jerusalem. The cross has to happen. The empty tomb has to happen. These things must take place. So for you and I, the cross is behind us. The empty tomb is behind us. So we march forward. We march on this. We're on a home, homeward bound journey to be reunited with Jesus face to face forever and ever and ever. And he says, you just keep looking at me and you just got to keep moving. Keep moving. But the fear, I get it. The fear happens. It's going to show up, but keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Take a second, take a breath, recenter yourself in the sense of focusing back on the Lord and keep moving. Keep moving. The good shepherd knows how to lead his sheep. He will never drive you. He will always lead you. And he'll never lead you down a path he himself hasn't gone down or was never willing to go down. He loves you. Jesus cares about you. He cares about all the things you're worried about. So just cast all your cares onto him because he cares for you. You know who wrote that? Well, the Holy Spirit. That's right. Um, you, never, you probably were going to say that. I don't know. Maybe you were. That was a Sunday school answer, right? Like, Jesus. Okay, yeah, he did. Um, no, but what I mean is Peter wrote that. One of the guys who was pulled over on the side of the road, so to speak, by Jesus, Peter would go on to say, cast all your cares, your worries, your fears onto him. Why? Because he cares about you. Peter learned that by following Jesus. That's how you overcome fear, guys. That's how you overcome fear. From somebody who gets caught up with anxiety, let me tell you this. It's not a one and done thing. It is never a one and done thing. When the waves start coming in, you got to go to Jesus. Got to go to Jesus. And man, you just got to stay aggressive in just going to Jesus and going to Jesus. He never gets sick of you. He never gets tired of you. Never. And then the, the storm will settle. And then you're, you're like, okay, I like this. This is nice, right? But hopefully you grew from the, the storm you endured because there's going to be another storm coming. And what you do is I just, just give your, just throw it on to Jesus. Man, Lord, this is, this is consuming me. Whatever this is, it's consuming me. Please take it. Please take it. And for whatever reason, when I try to steal that back from you, because we're really good at that too, would you please just take it back from me again? And there's the volleyball game that you and Jesus will play for the rest of your life. You're like, hit it over to Jesus. And you're like, can I have that back, Jesus? He's like, really? You want it back? Why are you? No, give that back to me. It's, it's just, that's sanctification. He loves you. He cares about you. He marched confidently to the cross for you, for you. And he did rise again three days later. He did. So you and I can march on confidently, knowing who we place our hope and our trust in. His name is Jesus. He's the best thing ever. He's the raddest thing ever. Hope, hope, hopeless, hopeless, red for
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love.